This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Whisper it, but Everton may have identified the problem to their long-standing left-back problem. And all the while, he was just over the border in Scotland. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice and Chris Beasley. And of course, we will be discussing left-backs, and in particular, Kieran Tierney, the Celtic youngster who Everton have registered their interest in and could be ready to launch a £25 million bid this summer. Preno, um, how did you react to the news that Everton have registered their interest in uh, in young Tierney? A little bit frustrated, to be honest, because uh, I, you know, I see... You know, the, the phraseology used in stories like this, and you understand why stories are termed in that way. But if Everton want that player, and, you know, Brendan Rodgers is willing to sell him, why haven't they just gone out and done it? I know there's lots of, you know, talking to be done and lots of uh, negotiating, but if he is the man that Everton have identified as a successor to Leighton Baines, and I would reinforce that because I think Leighton Baines is going to be first choice regardless of Everton bring in uh, this season. Uh, clearly, he needs competition. Clearly, he's not going to be playing every week, given you know his age. Though his fitness levels are pretty good, to be honest. Um, but you know, certainly, if Marco Silva is writing that he wants two players for every position, that's one where clearly Everton do fall short uh, in that. So I was quite heartened to see Everton linked with a player of that stature, because you know he's got great um, headlines up north. I've seen him in a handful of internationals. Can't claim to say I know a great deal about him. But he's got a good reputation and he does seem like ideal to the guys who understudy Leighton Baines and push him. But why did he lay? Let's just go ahead and get it done. Chris, uh, our resident student of the game. Uh, Kieran Tierney, 21, over 100 appearances for Celtic already. What do you know of? What have you heard of the player? And do you like what you hear? Do you like what you see? Yeah, He he certainly fits the bill, doesn't he, in regards to um, the age of the player. Still very much got um, um, his best years ahead of him, but he comes with that experience that he's already got up there at, at Celtic. Um, he's experienced Champions League football um, for several seasons now because of Celtic's dominance of the Scottish domestic game. Played in a lot, played in a lot of good games against top opposition there, and he, I believe he can actually fill in him um, both full-back positions. So uh, he certainly seems to have a, a lot about him, good attitude it would seem, and uh, one for the future, as Dave says, um, to uh, challenge Leighton Baines in the short term and then the long term potentially succeed him. It's weird actually because we've been spoiled with Bainesy over the last few years. Uh, I've had this you know, discussion with uh, people around the office a few times and I genuinely can't think of a left-back that Everton have had that has been better than Leighton Baines going back. Not quite old enough to remember the Ray Wilson era, but you know he's acknowledged to be about the best that Everton have ever had. We've had some decent ones in that time. Mick Pedrick was very good. Andy Hinchcliffe was massively underrated and won, you know, sort of dozen England Cup. Pat Van Den Howe, very different in that respect, but you know, great defender. John Bailey was great in the first, you know, so a couple of years. Uh, you know, very similar to Baines in that respect in terms of going forward, but Baines is much better defensively. But you know. The modern fullback uh, package. There's none better than Leighton Baines, and it's just we've been spoiled down the years. So yeah, we need to bring somebody in that will actually, you know, look to eventually inherit his mantle. And if it can be anywhere near as good, should Everton, you know, clinch the key mm. the any signing, we'll be getting spoiled again. Chris, what would you say? What would you read into um, the profile of, of T and E as, as a genuine transfer target for Everton this summer, and what it may point to as in terms of a transfer strategy? Mm-hmm. 
Go on, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah, um, like, like I say, in regards to what we've heard um, already from um, Marco Silva, it's looking for young players who are hungry, S- similar to uh, when David Moyes is there, but perhaps with a bit more financial clout but, um, behind it. Uh, we saw last summer the, the recruitment strategy at the time seemed very exciting. A lot of players were coming in, certainly earlier in the summer, but then once um, the dust settled, there, there were um, clear gaps in some, some key areas. So I think rather than that scattergun approach, um, it's going to be specifically targeting on those key positions, whether it be that left-back, um, certain areas of midfield, even uh, helping Toshin up, up front. So I think it would be uh, a strategy of bringing in people in, in those key areas where there are players short and then, as we know, um, get shipping bodies out of uh, what has been a bloated squad. Do you think there's been a recent shift in perceptions of, of the players coming out of the SPL? You know, recently Virgil van Dijk wasn't was playing in Celtic, uh, sorry, playing in Scotland at Celtic. Um, I think Southampton have brought uh, bought a Celtic player. Do you think maybe that the quality and it uh, is improved uh, and actually it's a market that that more and more Everton would look at? Yeah, it's a good shout that because there has been a, a sniffiness about uh, Scotland and the Premier League. You know, as a national league, no, it's not the strongest. You know, there are like two, possibly three teams, you know, sort of competing season after season. But I suppose what you also have to look at is that those two top teams are always in Europe, be it Champions League, be it Europa League. And so those players are playing at a, you know, regularly high level. And no, it has been, you know, in recent years, not that prevalent, you know, so players coming south. Van Dijk's the one, I suppose, that has broke, broke the mould. You know, he was absolutely imperious up there and people wondered whether he could transfer that yeah. back down to uh, this country. Clearly, he has done. Mm. Uh, so maybe that's, you know, caused a number of people to think twice. But yeah, maybe it is a market that, you know, Premier League clubs should be looking at more and more. It, it was always, you know, an absolute rich seam of talent. And, you know, going back to, you know, 1980s, maybe 1990s, you know, mo- most clubs had two or three Scottish players uh, or players from the Scottish League uh, that's not been the case recently. So, I mean, Liverpool themselves, you know, Andy Robertson, who's been an absolutely revelation for them and, uh, you know, flew under the radar a little bit, you know, sort of Hull City. And, you know, they brought him down from Scotland uh, where he'd done okay, but, you know, hadn't torn up any trees. So, yeah, maybe it is a market that we should be looking at more and more. Wonder, Breno, if, if Marco Silva perhaps sees some of those qualities that you mentioned, Andy Robertson, you know, he's a very good player, isn't he? Improved that for Liverpool this season I wonder if Marco sees some of those same qualities in Tierney given that Marco had Andy Robinson at Hull for what, five, six months Yeah, I mean he's obviously aware of the guy he obviously knows a lot about him I just wonder you know what Marcel Brands has said to him about him as well you know they, they must have you know dossiers and books on all of these players and you know they've watched him many, many times and I suppose what you mentioned earlier about the, uh, the Scottish Premier League we're being a bit sniffy about this maybe there's the concern that playing well regularly up there Will you be able to transfer that talent and that consistency to what is undoubtedly, you know, sort of a tougher league down south? You don't know until you make that approach. But what could work in the favour is that, like I said earlier, Leighton Baines is going nowhere in a hurry. So you know he will get the opportunity should Everton sign him to, you know, play bits of games, uh, to play cup ties, to be in and out of the side. You know, unless Baines, you know, picks up an injury, which has happened more often in the last couple of years than we used to. Uh, but it could be the ideal time for a left-back to actually assimilate himself into the Everton squad and get to know the league, get to know you know the demands and the challenges ahead of him with the knowledge that you know, sort of Baines is there to try and you know, sort of win a place from. How do you think Chris, you know, and Baines has, has 
it's, it's easy to, to for him to be for the forgotten man in, in these respects and when we're talking about new left backs coming it's very easy for people as Preno said we, 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 we get kind of complacent don't we in what we've got if you're Leighton Baines and, and you know you're very aware and very grounded and, and, and no look you understand his career's coming towards an end do you, do you expect Leighton is the sort of character that would actually take if we sign Tierney of course would take Tierney under his wing and go you know what I appreciate we're actually competing for the same place, but I also understand that for the long term, my football club see you as the long term successor. So actually, I'm going to I'm going to show you the ropes. You know, do you sense that there was some, or does Leighton knuckle down and go, "Hang on a minute, I'm not going anywhere." But I think I think the uh, the, the former and this, it's like you say, he's, he's a very intelligent guy, both on and off the field. He, he understands. The way it works, he, this is his twelfth season wow. now at Everton. What I mean, what a great servant he's been, as, as Dave said. Certainly, number one in, in living memory. Uh, Ray Wilson was a World Cup winner in a different era, but um, yeah, he's had a terrific effort and career, and I'm sure he would he would understand that natural transition. It it will help him because the problem he had last season was because he was the only left back. He was playing every game, got overloaded, and mm. then that's why he got that injury and then was was out of the team. So. It'd be, a, it'd be it'll be better all, all round the fact that he's got would be Tierney or whoever comes in strong competition for, for his, his place in the side it could spur him on get a real good couple of seasons more out of him I think um, it, it, it's quality um, rather than quantity for appearances now with, with Leighton Baines mm. and uh, I think he could just be great all round and I'm sure Leighton would, would take him under a wing and um, Help um, show him the ropes. I mean, we had we had that incident, didn't we, last season, um, last summer when Michael Keane came in, and he actually met Phil Jagielka at the gate. It was quite a iconic moment. Yeah, well remembered. He did. Yeah, changing of the guard, as it were, in, in uh, physical respects. They had a, I think their name was not, not proved that way. Actually, yeah. <laughs> they're working yeah. in tandem, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Um, as it as it turned out, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm sure that the same way that Phil Jagielka welcome Michael Keane um, that Leighton Baines would welcome Kieran Tierney or whoever mm. it ends up being nice I, analogy yeah. I, I think Baines is a realist I don't think you know should Everson sign a left back that could be pushing him for his first team place you're not going to see him kicking up a fuss you know making statements of intent or you know complaining about his goodness in future he's not that type I think he would help the lad and he would you know it probably would help Baines himself in his own career as you say I think he's at a stage of his career now where he accepts that he might have to spend you know the odd occasion out of the team just to refresh his batteries but equally, he's an incredibly fit lad, one of the fittest around at the training ground. And I'm thinking to how long, you know, for argument's sake, Dave Watson kept going, uh, and Richard Goff maybe, okay, both of them centre-halves, maybe not quite as demanding a position in terms of getting up and down the pitch mm. uh, as a full, modern fullback is. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Baines going, you know, certainly to his mid to, you know, late 30s. But, you know, he can be helped in doing that if he's got... Uh, a left back capable of you know, stepping in for him whenever necessary. Well, of course, we've seen Bainesy already back at Finch Farm ahead of today's official return yeah. to pre season. And it's interesting, though, Preno, before we, we move on from Bainesy and Tierney, the demands of the modern fullback feels as though it would actually return as a more, a more prominent um, aspect of football at Goodison this season under Marco Silva. So, do we expect, and is it unrealistic to expect that Bainesy? could play every week in that style in that really really forward thinking style or you know does he have to does he is that why we have to get this young left back in who can slowly you know uh, learn the ropes and come in every couple of games when Leighton needs a rest 
I hope you're right and that we do see that kind of, uh, you know, Cavalier, you know, full-back style again. We saw it under Martinez and that was one of the uh, the, the plus points of the Martinez re- regime. You know, seeing Leighton Baines crossing it for Seamus Coleman to score at the opposite flank or was it the other way around? Well, you know, it yeah. was. It was great to watch. Uh, it'd be great to see that. Um, Leighton Baines is capable of doing that still. He's one of the... I'm, I'm not privy to the, uh, the figures you know, from, you know, the training, you know, regiment at Finch Farm. But we are led to believe that he is still one of the fittest guys, you know, around. And if Everton aren't playing European football, which are clearly they're not next season, he probably is capable of doing that. You know, he wouldn't be around, you know, he would probably appreciate the uh, the gap of a Carabao Cup tie or, you know, you know Cup ties during the week. But, you know, he's still fit enough to do it. So, no, I don't think we should discount the fact that he could play that modern fullback role throughout an entire season, provided he's not playing two games a week. OK, so we'll uh, move the discussion on to the, the understudies, if you like, and the futures of um, one today, Luke Garbert. Chris has mm-hmm. today sealed a fifth loan move away from Everton. He's gone to Oxford United of League One on loan for the rest of the season. Their manager, Carl Robinson, admitted he was shocked they were able to uh, attract Garbert for, for the season. Um, where does... Well, Sam Allardyce was very vocal before he left the football club and made it clear that all discussions had led to the road that Luke needed to find a new club and his future no longer was at Goodison. Obviously, he will not spend the season here. Um, is the decision today by Luke to drop down to League One uh, a sign that he realises that he needs, needs to go and play football? And secondly, do you think that a really good season in League One can turn the tide for Luke? I hope so, Barry. Whenever he played for Everton, I don't think he, he let anybody down. Um, uh, certainly under Roberto Martinez he had a real good run of games um, he always looked uh, neat and tidy and then there was that um, bizarre time when his contract was running down and I don't know if there's a bit of mischief making but there was rumours that Liverpool were interested in him because it was obviously a problem position for them for a, for a long time and certainly a host of clubs and we were surprised when his initial loan happened that he was going outside the Premier League we thought he'd be going on loan to another Premier League club never happened, he was in the Championship Fulham had a difficult season there and then uh, same, same at Wigan too um, it's strange really how, how he hasn't kicked on but maybe like you say he realises this now he really has to get a full season of football under his belt and if he can do well at Oxford United but maybe he'll be back on an upward tra- trajectory for him but Luke's obviously as we've mentioned been on four loans he's had his share of injury problems but when he has played on loan and when he's been at Everton with the 23s you know since he signed this new contract why do you think he hasn't been able to push on why do you think he's not been able to ultimately convince Martinez Koeman Unzi's caretaker and then Sam in his brief reign there's clearly something lacking in his makeup that has you know caused so many managers to come to that conclusion including the managers who have taken him on loan I'm a little surprised that he's uh, dropped down to League One or had to drop down to League One because I thought you know the Championship is a league in which he's done you know well in the past. Credit to him uh, for that though. Absolutely, yeah, lad wants to play, you know, which is good. Um, I think we we've seen whenever we've seen him playing for the Everton first team and Everton under 23s, a man who's very comfortable in possession, you know, with a, with a lovely strike of a football who can get good quality crosses in. Defensively, I don't know whether you know his game is as up to standard as it is going forward, and maybe that's what you know in the Premier League, which is a very very unforgiving environment. Maybe that's what managers have looked at and decided they can't take that chance on. I mean, what do I know? I thought Brendan Galloway was uh, you know the next uh, you know coming thing, 
And you know, after a bright introduction to his Everton career, he ended up getting farmed out on loan and doesn't seem to be coming back anytime soon. So there's clearly something missing there, but there is you know a natural talent. And as you just said, fair play to that. If he's going to go down to Oxford and get you know regular football under his belt there, and he does play you know often, there's no you know saying that he can't bounce back and can't make a career at a higher level, provided he can show he can do it. So Garbutt's uh, exit today for the season, at least, would. Certainly for the time being, and we stress for the time being, um, promote, if you like, young Anthony Robinson, who has had a terrific summer making his debut for the United States and obviously on the back of a very um, successful loan at Bolton Wanderers. So interesting to see how Marco Silva decides what is best for him. But Chris, the other person, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure most people wouldn't even give him a second thought in this discussion about Kieran T and Ian Leighton Baines, is a man who... Filled in at left back a number of times last season and at right back and probably everywhere else. Cuco Martina. Two years left on his three year deal. Is there a future at Cuco for Everton for Cuco Martina, the, yeah. the utility man to, man to end all utility men, I think? Yeah, he grew into the role. He grew into it. I remember a couple of um, great assists towards the end of his tenure at left back there, a couple of uh, left foot assists. And I, I put it this way. Can you imagine Baines going playing right back and pinging in a couple yeah. on his right foot? I mean, uh, Kuko was much maligned at, at certain times. He, he's obviously not naturally a left back, not naturally a left footer at all. I mean, mm. there's been many left backs who aren't left footers, but he's very much thrown in at the deep end and uh, square peg in a, in a round hole there. But he was he was game about it, and he did struggle uh, to start off with, and there were some tough games for him when the team uh, was struggling as, as a whole. But um, he did improve. I guess it all depends what Cuco Martina wants because I don't imagine he's going to be getting anywhere near the kind of game time that he was getting last season. Um, he would very much be a squad player to come in as and when, but um, maybe he'd be happy enough, satisfied enough with that, with a, a team hopefully in the top half of the Premier League, getting a few games under the belt. He'd pr- presumably be on a decent whack given that he came on a free transfer. I imagine he's on a a decent wage so it's, mm. I guess it's up to what Cuco Martina wants does he like Luke Garber want to go and play every week or does he want to just um, stay at Everton and uh, get get the odd game because I, I think he, he's very much going to be um, a secondary role compared to last season he's a bit of a weird character that one uh, Cuco Martina because remember when he signed uh, the Southampton fans mocking Everton fans and saying why on earth have you t- you've done that so ex- Everton fans' expectations weren't high to begin with. He had that dreadful performance at home against Spurs early on last season, which Ronald Koeman held his hand up for and said it wasn't anything to do with Kuko, it was to do with the way I played him and the position I played him in, which, all right, you know, maybe that was him just trying to protect the player. Not, not but, like Ronald, though, in fairness. No, you know. true, true. And I, I've, I've got a lot of time for Kuko Martina. Um, I, I think he did OK. Um, you know, he, he played out of position uncomplainingly and, and did a de- decent enough job there. Um, and then improved, you know, so as the season progressed, far from the worst performer last season. Um, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm damning him with faint praise because you know, I think more of him than that. I think he's been a decent, solid signing for Everton. Obviously, we're talking a new regime now. We want to be more ambitious than that and we want better than decent, solid signings. And so I think Everton are looking above and beyond that. And so I don't think he's going to feature much this season. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to. Uh, but you know, don't decry the lad. I think he's done okay uh, during his, his short hours and spell, and we should thank him for that. Probably, just for a moment, slip into an expensive suit, don your best Dutch persona, I've and, never a, had an, expensive and a, an impressive mane of grey hair, and pretend you are Marcel Brands for a second. Looking at this for a business decision, and as Chris mentioned, wages. We yeah. expect that Kuka will be on decent, decent wedge because obviously he came on a free transfer. Yeah. 
is his head on the chopping block just because of what he earns? Almost certainly, uh, and he's not alone in that. You know, there's a number of players at Everton that have been handed large salaries for reasons, you know, out of their control, if you like. I mean, Sandro Ramirez was a player Everton took advantage of a, a clause in his contract, could get him on the cheap, if you like. Back at training but, today, exactly, by the way, Sandro. Yeah. Therefore, he gets a lot of money. Um, Davy Klassen, you know, captain of Ajax, you know, still coming in. So again, he gets a lot of dough. And they are problems that Marco Silva has inherited and has to try and resolve. He either improves them and finds a place for them in his first-team squad. I suspect that's not likely to happen. I suspect the opposite is going to happen, which is going to try and find a club for them elsewhere. And what tends to happen in these circumstances is that Everton end up subsidising the player's wages when he moves on elsewhere. So somebody somewhere in Europe is going to get Sandro, is going to get Davy Klassen, and is going to get him on the cheap. Uh, that's just a, a fact of modern football life, unfortunately, and uh, it's something that you know Everton have to, or Marcel Brands in his expensive suit and his uh, his grey hair is going to have to resolve. <laughs> Disappointed you didn't give me that answer in a Dutch accent, but well, never mind, I'll forgive you. Um, moving on from left backs and generally looking at pre season, uh, the full squad minus the World Cup contingent returned to Finch Farm this morning and uh, started with a series of fitness tests. Just very uh, quickly before we wrap up, and I'll, I'll ask you this, both the same question. Chris, how are your levels of hope and, and optimism going into this fresh start for Everton? I think it's very difficult. I don't want to sound negative, but breaking into that top six is very difficult in that I think what Everton can expect this season is just to improve that style of play. It was almost unwatchable second half of last season, and I think that's where Sam Allardyce fell flat really because like you said results wise he took them up to 8th which maybe could have got one position better and got back into Europa League but couldn't have expected much more than that but from a fan's point of view just watching it last season it, it was awful and we all know the stats we've been through all that so I think what they're hoping for this season is a much more attractive style of play get the home fans excited coming to Goodison again because it was in such a malaise the last second half of last season um, try and play some attractive football and see if that can um, get them up the table and maybe be over after work over a two or three year period because I just think you've already got those six big clubs going for four places and I don't want to sound negative but it's just being realistic um, it's so difficult to break into so I think for, for year one of the, of the silver brands combination just to play some good football because we, they should be able to overhaul Burnley for starters that's the only one that they, they need to do anyway and, and they've obviously got the, yeah, the burden yeah. of Europa League yeah starting with Aberdeen um, so yeah we saw how difficult that was for Everton and with the greatest respect to Burnley lot less resources there they could find it difficult so um, yeah just playing some attractive football get the fans back inside and see where see where that goes Probably there is, is almost nothing akin to building hope like pre-season because obviously no competitive action goes and spoils it but how are you feeling you know, today and it feels like it, it does feel like the start of the season now obviously the build-up officially begins how are you feeling uh, in terms of optimism and hope for, for the new campaign I wouldn't say wildly optimistic and I don't want to sound again you know like there's a downer on this we've got to be realistic I want to my expectations for this season are going to be quite tempered I want to see football worth watching which we didn't see on so many occasions at Goodison Park. A cup run would be nice, you know, that we were denied that last season. Carabao Cup, we say this year after year after year as a tournament, Everton never seemed to get to grips with. Came close under Roberto, came close under David Moyes, but I'd like to see a decent one in that. 
But we actually mentioned this to Marcus Silva when you and I sat down with him and spoke to him. Win a derby. That's all he needs to do to get the fans on his side. Unfortunately, easier said than done. It's been so long coming. I mean, it's quite criminal now that Everton have gone, you know, as long as they have without a derby match. I've said it before, I remember those seven years in the 1970s as being like a life sentence to a childhood Evertonian. It's even longer than that now without a derby win. And it's just, it's awful. You know, so for Marcus Silva to try and get the Everton fans on his side, that that would go a long way towards doing that. So, all right, maybe that is asking too much. But, you know, entertaining football, a derby win and a decent cup run. Other than that... I don't know. Let's just see a couple of uh, you know square pegs in square holes in terms of signings and see the squad looking a bit more rigid, some kind of shape and some kind of pattern put in place as to what uh, what the club is trying to do. Uh, but this has got to be a season of consolidation, a season of building. We can't get too carried away. Uh, but let's just see what it brings. I mean, the, the fixture list has certainly given Marcus Silva a chance of making a decent start. That can get a bit of confidence going, a bit of momentum going, and then who knows what can happen after that. You never know, it could work in Emerson's favour. You know, expectation levels are so low. You know, some, maybe something unexpected could happen. Let's keep our fingers crossed and wait and see. And hopefully some flying fullbacks, Baines, and maybe Kieran Tierney will help bring some uh, attractive value for money football back to Goodison. Well, thank you very much for listening to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. Stay with the Echo Online for all the best blues news and analysis. Thanks very much. <laughs>